Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. <laughs> to all Americans tonight, in all of our cities and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you. Good night. I love you. Thank you.
Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be with all of you. I have missed you all since our last show on Tuesday. We had an amazing show, so much great dialogue, amazing things established, such smooth conversations, and uh, wonderful guests, as always. Um, like I do every episode, I uh, want to thank all my co-hosts, my audience, uh, guests, and sponsors. Uh, you guys are all incredible, and uh, the show just keeps getting better and better every episode, everybody. I tell you, I, I listen to the repeat uh, after every after every uh, show, and, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's fun. It's so fun, and uh, it's uh, everything you could really want in a show. It truly, truly is, and uh, the chemistry and just the, the chemistry we have with each other and the way everything flows, it's pretty magical. It's pretty magical, everybody. Uh, remember, uh, our show is listened to in now 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, themexnexgenusa.com. And don't forget, in about a month, we will be launching the new media network, live media guide and merging it with Next Gen USA, and we are raising over a million dollars for live media guide, and we will be having America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, my good friend, and my good friend Robert Spencer, director of Jihad Watch, as the two main faces uh, of, of the media site, and uh, as you guys know, uh, we are going to be having uh, people, uh, many notable names doing their own shows uh, constantly. We have a huge lineup already already uh, scheduled and, and ready to go. I mean, we pretty much have the lineup about 85% full. And when it's the middle of the night here, you'll be having all of our hosts over in India, Europe, uh, Asia, you know, doing their shifts because they're obviously a day ahead. Um, so much, so much to look forward to tonight. We do, we do have a, a huge, huge show, huge day in the media. Uh, I do want to introduce uh, to the show, uh, doctor, award-winning speaker, professor, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and currently the Commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Branch. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing fantastic tonight, Rory, and I hope that you're doing well, too. A lot of great things happening, a lot of things happening, and you know, I look forward to talking with everybody else on the panel tonight about the news and uh, I sent you a link. I, I just put up my new website, uh, Dr. Looks SDR. great, by the way. Hey, I appreciate it. It's, it's drbobbranch.com. That's D-R, Bob, B-O-B, branch, B-R-A-N-C-H.com. So, you know, I'm hoping uh, people go out there and, you know, connect with me. They can see all your stuff for your show. And uh, when we get the blog put up, I plan on putting, you know, your link up on there and, uh you know, I'm just so proud of what you're doing and how you're growing and, you know, going all over this, this, this great world of ours. So I look forward to conversation tonight, buddy. Thank you, my friend. And Dr. Branch, I'm, uh, I'm one of your biggest fans. I'm really rooting for you. And I think you're going to win big this next election. I really do. Cause you pretty much almost won this last time. Well, I'll tell you, we've got a big fight. I'll be down at the department of education on Monday morning because they're introducing this comprehensive sexuality ed, uh, education, 
Uh, it's an abomination. Uh, the current superintendent of public instruction, she has a huge LBGTQ agenda, and uh, oh, she just wants to she just wants to tear down the fabric of this great state. And uh, I'm gonna fight her all the way. So, you know, if you're mm-hmm. living in the Phoenix area, you know, people come down to the department bed on Monday and help me fight her. Amen, my friend. Amen. Uh, let, let's also welcome to the show uh, Desert Storm veteran, uh, columnist, activist, and radio show host, Eric Thompson. Eric, how are you? Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me on again. And um, I guess we'll be talking about Iran tonight, so definitely heating up a little bit. Absolutely. Amen. We're going to be talking about it for sure uh, here on the first segment. Can't wait. Uh, also, also want to welcome to the show. Um, Glad to have him back, conservative talk show host, 2024 presidential candidate, activist, and best-selling author, the great Daryl Kane, a legend. Rory, you're too kind, brother. It's great to hear your voice <laughs> and great to be here with the, with a wonderful panel and wishing everyone at home a lovely evening. Thank you, my friend. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, I also want to Thank welcome you, brother. Uh, yeah, amen. God bless you. And I also want to welcome um, activist, lobbyist, political strategist, and director Gianni Rodriguez. Gianni, how are you, my friend? Welcome back. Oh, shit. Hold on. Hold on. Gianni, you're on mute. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm glad to be on. Good to have you here, my friend. Good to have you here. Um, everybody, so I want to get into the opening story, obviously, and you know, uh, the breaking news today and, and what's really striking people's nerves and getting people all worked up is this garbage with Iran. I mean, these, you know, these animals are something else. These people, you know, put entitlement at a, I mean, at a whole new level. I mean, the fact that, you know, they, they demanded the whole Iran nuke deal, and we all know Obama was very weak, and obviously Obama got something in that deal, otherwise he wouldn't have done it. But Obama gives them all this money when all they have ever been doing is sending death to America. They don't like us. They've never wanted to be cordial. They've always wanted to destroy us. There's no getting around it. It doesn't matter how much the left wants to spin it and say, oh, well, you know, I, I think they want to have, I think they want to have peace with us. I think they, I think they want to, you know, be good, be normal. They want to be normal in our society. And they want to they want to fit with with all with our uh, with our you know traditions, which it's not possible. These people, these people are radical. These people are, you know, uh, they're Islam. I mean, they, they, if you read the Quran, if you read what these people stand for, if you read what they what they believe in, what their ideology entails, there's nothing good in it. It is pure terrorism. And their god, their god was a pedophile. And married a young child. That's who they look up to. That's who they worship. And the fact that this isn't talked about more, you know, enough. I mean, it's talked about sometimes who their God is and what what this religion represents. But you know, the severity and the sickness of of of, of these traditions in, in Islam. Uh, I mean, it's disturbing. You know, it's putting it lightly, in my opinion. I think it's so much more than that. You know, this is this is a whole other world. With this religion, I mean, it's it's. I I, I don't get it, guys. I don't get how anybody, um, could be, 
you know, I mean, I get the crazy ones that obviously go by this, but there's there, there's there's Muslims that just, you know, believe in this ideology and don't get radical, but what they're what they what they believe is radical. Whether they act like terrorists or not and go crazy and be violent is one thing. But the the, the fact is, they they all believe the same thing. They're all they're all bowing to evil. They're all following evil. And you have you have Iran, and I, I think this is very important. It needs to be said. Iran and the Obama administration. And these deep state creatures are definitely in talks. They are involved with one another. They want Trump to go to war so he jeopardizes getting getting elected for a second term. We all know war is something that could sabotage his chances. And I guarantee you the deep state is pushing this to make Trump look bad. And you know what? Everyone knows. Everybody knows. Trump does not back down. So they know if they, if they threaten, if they do anything, Trump's going to react. That's just who he is. And, you know, I, 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 I don't know at this point what's going to happen. I, I do want to read the report that came out, to, came out today. Uh, the IRGC released a statement to the IRNA domestic news agency saying, at the early hours of Thursday, the IRGC Air Force shot down an American spy drone, identified as RQ-4 Global Hawk that had violated Iranian airspace in the Kumabarak region located at Formazagan province, south of the country. Northrop Grundman, manufacturer of the RQ-4 Global Hawk, Global Hawk describes the aircraft as a premier provider of persistent intelligence, surveillance, and renaissance information. The commander of the IRGC says the drone's destruction has sent a clear message to America. General Hussein Salami, <laughs> what a last name, Salami, and that's how it's spelled, like the meat Salami, S-A-L-A-M-I, also cautioned Iran does not have any intention for war with any country, but we are ready for war. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hear that again. Iran does not have any intention for war with, with any country, but they are ready for war. So, in other words, they, they want to, believe it or not, don't, don't get those words twisted. They want a fucking war. They want a war with the U.S., but they know they can't win. They know they'll be destroyed. I don't know how far they're going to go with these little petty and, and teasing antics and, and actions that they take, like shooting down drones. I don't know how far they'll go. Obviously, they just want to kind of, uh, you know, kick people off and, and try to uh, provoke people like the president that, they know doesn't have any patience and won't, won't back down. Um, you know, his speech was, so the Iranian, obviously the leader, his speech was carried live on Iranian state television shortly after U.S. and Iranian officials acknowledged the shooting down of the drone. White House spokesman Sarah Sanders said U.S. President Trump had, briefed, had been briefed on the report of a missile strike in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We are closely monitoring the situation and continuing to consult with our partners and allies. Sanders said. U.S. officials told the Associated Press the downing happened over international airspace in the Strait of Hormaz and not Iranian airspace as claimed by Tehran. The drone attack came just 48 hours after the Pentagon released new images, which officials said offered more evidence operatives from the IRGC were responsible for last week's attacks on oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman. You'll remember that last week, the, the, the attacks on the ships 
Um, the U.S. military said the photos taken from Navy helicopters showed Iranian forces removing an unexploded mine from the hull of the Japanese-owned courageous oil tank. Yeah, that was last week, yeah. Um, so, guys, so think about this. And all of this added up. I mean, just in the last week, we've had like two or three incidences with Iran trying to provoke us and trying to pawn us. And, you know, it's like it takes just a little more of an inch every time. They don't, they don't go extremely overboard. But what they're doing is totally wrong and should be dealt with, absolutely. Uh, but we all know this is basically like a, um, a situation where, you know, somebody picks, 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 picks. You know, because they, I mean, they want a reaction. They, they, want, they want a response. They want to get under our skin. This is, this is what it is. And I, and I think they've gone too far. If you heard the president today, uh, he made it very clear that uh, they made a huge mistake and that there will be consequences to Iran, everybody. So I think that's important to point out. Uh, I do want to play Tucker's clip um, from, from today. Uh, he really uh, put everything here uh, into great perspective uh, of, of what's going on, and especially some of the people Trump has around him. Uh, you know, let's, let, let, let's face the fact that people like John Bolton, and some of these other, uh, you know, people that crave war and are, you know, th- th- there are people around him uh, not giving him the best, best advice. And, and there, there are people that I feel are trying to push the president to go to war. And I don't think that's what the president necessarily wants to do. But I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, you know it, 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 we can't do it, but I always think that should be the last thing. I don't think that should be, you know, put, I, I, don't, think, I don't think that should be encouraged unless it really has to, if that makes sense, guys. Um, let's play this one from Tucker, uh, 1-7. Since 9-11, the U.S. has spent trillions of dollars and thousands of American lives trying to remake the Middle East in our image. It's sad to say it out loud, but we have to. It hasn't worked. Many of us thought it would, but it hasn't. By every measure, our foreign wars have ended in dismal failure for the United States, however noble their intentions, and some did have noble intentions. Donald Trump was one of the rare Republican politicians honest enough to admit this. He said it out loud three years ago and promised not to repeat the same mistakes if elected president. And partly because he said that, he was elected president. Now something fascinating is happening. The very people, in some cases literally the same people, who lured us into the Iraq quagmire 16 years ago are demanding a new war, this one with Iran. The president, to his great credit, appears to be skeptical of this, very skeptical. Iran recently downed an unmanned American drone. The president, speaking today, seemed to suggest this shouldn't necessarily trigger a conflict with Iran. Watch. Iran made a big mistake. Uh, this drone was in international waters, clearly. We have it all documented. I would imagine it was a general or somebody that made a mistake in shooting that drone down. Unfortunately, that drone was unarmed. It was not, there was no man in it, and there was no, it was just, it was over international waters, clearly over international waters, but we didn't have a man or woman in the drone. We had nobody in the drone. It would have made a big difference, let me tell you. would have made a big, big difference. I find it hard to believe it was intentional, if you want to know the truth. I think that it could have been somebody who was uh, loose and stupid that did it. So that's not nearly bellicose enough for the permanent foreign policy establishment in Washington, many of whom crave a war with Iran 
and see every provocation as an opportunity to start one. Senator Lindsey Graham, for example, says Americans ought to be ready to fight and die for shipping lanes on the other side of the world. Watch. So here's what to watch for. If the Iranians uh, follow through on their threat to start enriching again at higher levels to basically um, take their enrichment program to a uh, kind of a nuclear level in terms of a weapons grade production, Israel's in a world of hurt. So the best thing the president can do is stop that. And how do you stop that to make Iran understand you're not going to let that happen? Uh, I think he should put their oil refineries on a target list, that he should look at sinking the Iranian Navy if they attack shipping again. Uh-huh. So in Washington, there are no real consequences for being wrong. And as a result, policymakers are. They make the same mistakes again and again. And it's certainly not just Lindsey Graham. At the New York Times, left-wing warmonger Brett Stevens is also calling on America to sink the Iranian Navy. Many on the left are for it. John Bolton cheers him on from within the White House. Bill Kristol nods with approval from outside the White House. None of these people will admit their actual intentions. They'll tell you they don't really want a war with Iran. That's a crock. They want a war badly, badly enough to lie about it. That's why they're putting American troops into situations where conflict is inevitable in order to start a war. Everyone in Washington knows exactly what's happening. They've seen it many times before. And I will say, I will say, uh, you know, obviously something's about to happen. We don't know what's going to happen, but we see a lot of extra troops going over there, uh, being deployed over there. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but I, I think, uh, you know, it's, there, there's definitely something going to happen. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Well, I, you know, I, I, I like your reporting on it uh, and bringing Tucker into it and the viewpoints uh, that we heard all day long. I agree with Tucker Carlson. I think that, you know, I, Tucker Branch, turn now. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I was listening to the president's speech today, and I believe that, you know, one of the reasons why we heard him say specifically, well, you know, no one, you know, no one was killed. Um, it was an on-man drone. Um, is it, it? It just shows a guarded measure um, that he is taking. So, you know, where Tucker is saying that, you know, people like Bolton and all that want to push, and Lindsey Graham want to push uh, the president into a war. I think that what. President Trump demonstrated today was he's he's the one in charge. Uh, it was very right. measured. It was very calculated. His response, um, but also you know, and, and I got to go back because when I I remember when I was in the Air Force, that's when uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini took over uh, in the late seventies and uh, you know dethroned the Shah of Iraq, Iran rather, and. Uh, then that was under Jimmy Carter. Now, uh, under Ronald Reagan, uh, oil tankers were uh, targeted, and you know there was clear uh, strikes against Iran. Um, you know, and, and if we did anything, I, I I hope that we've learned what Ronald Reagan did and its effectiveness. Uh, the boots on the ground. We've seen Jimmy Carter. You know, when when we had the hostages over there, go and try to rescue the hostages. Uh, actually, I was in cryptographics; it was top secret, and 
you know, we got to see in real life what was happening in the, the big FUBAR event that he put on over there. Uh, but, you know, we got to deal with Iran. Uh, and, and I love the fact that we have a president with a cool head. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's going about this, I think, the right way. Um, you know, Obama, what he did arming them with $150 billion, with Hezbollah, what they're doing, the aggression that Iran is showing, I think that what mainstream media really should do, instead of saying that Donald Trump is the one that provoked it, I think that we should put it clear on Obama's lap and say, if it wasn't for the $150 billion, this never would be going on right now. So that's my view on it. I look forward to hearing what Eric has to say about it. Very well said, as usual, very well said. Um, Eric, go ahead. You you were in Desert Storm. You were over in the Middle East. You know this uh, situation very well. You know all about war. Uh, please uh, tell us your thoughts. Well, I mean, it's, it's any time we're dealing with the mullahs or we're dealing with, you know, uh, the more fundamentalist Islam, we're going to – we're going to deal with people that, that have a long-term strategy of global caliphate. Um, I, I'm praying for and I'm expecting President Trump to not do anything militarily right now. I'm, I, I, don't under, I don't know why Bolton and these guys and Lindsey Graham, they like to, they like to get into um, – they like to bomb people all the time or they like to get into conflicts, and I don't, I don't understand it. Um, so – they shot down a $150 million drone. That actually ticks me off more than anything because that's out of our taxpayers' budget. But um, nobody got killed. There was no – so what you have is you've got a general that's probably got an ego problem that hates infidels, and he, they, he had the opportunity to shoot down an America drone. And so I'm, I'm hoping the president just resets here and says, um, if it happens again – we are, are. We have to take that you want to go to war, you know, because we can't do. I. I, I just think at some point we got to be the big kids on the block. We got to understand we're dealing with people that have a philosophical, long-term religious objection objective, and it, it, it does not include the United States of America being powerful. But at this point, I'm. Mean, I hope he blows both of these guys off and and just takes a chill pill, resets, but also sets a if 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 you do it again, okay. Once misunderstanding of where we were in international waters, we disagree with it. If you if you make a mistake, quote unquote, a second time, we're going to take out every nuclear facility you have in your country. Thank you very much, Donald Trump. That's what I hope happens. Amen. Amen. Um, very well said. Let's go to Daryl. Daryl, go ahead. Yeah, I think that the president is striking an appropriate measured tone with his response. Uh, I think that obviously we do know that Iran is a bad actor. That is not a false assessment. Uh, that, that is also not to say that those beating the drums for war are, are also acting in our best interest. I think that clearly they're not. But I think that uh, Trump responded in a, a sober and level-headed way, and I, I think it's very clear to everyone on an international level that uh, you know our leadership is to be respected. So I'm cautiously optimistic from what I'm seeing from him so far. You know, we're not seeing the type of blustering rhetoric that we're used to seeing 
these types of times uh, when these things have happened in the past. And, you know, and I've said this before that Iran may be a bad actor, but in a, in a sense, I, I almost would argue that London Mayor Sadiq Khan represents a greater threat to Western civilization than uh, Iranian Ayatollah Khamenei. We have so much problems in European nations with Islamic encroachment. Uh, I'd rather see an organized effort to act on that before we, we go into more expeditions into the Middle East and, and what could otherwise be un- unnecessary wars being fought on behalf of other countries. No, I hear you. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Very, very, very well said. Um, I don't know what happened. Daryl just got disconnected. I don't know what happened, but... Uh, let's go to Gianni in New York. Go ahead, Gianni. Yeah, you know, I would just like to say America has the baddest military in the world. You know, history proves that. However, I would say John Bolton is the devil incarnate. I mean, if you do history on this guy, look at the – he's not a good guy at all. This guy has always been a warmonger, just like all the rest of the neocons that are in the Republican Party that always like to go into the war, and in the Democratic Party too. But my thing yeah. is, why are we – like, there's no point of being in the Middle East. There's no point. People say, oh, you know, you need to defend Israel. Like, no. Israel can fight their own battle. The whole point of Israel and Iran is all religious. That's what it is. It's all religious. None of it is because, you know, humanity, none of that. It's all about land. Israel can fight Iran on their own. Israel can fight whoever they want to fight on their own. Sure, I, I support them, and I believe in them. And everything, but we don't need to be fighting them. If you see John Bolton, he tried to do the same thing with Venezuela when he went, when he went in with the clipboard. He tried to do the same thing with Venezuela, and look, Trump backed up and he said, "Fuck that, we're not going into nothing." With and then that's why John Bolton is trying to push war every time he can, every time he can, every opportunity he can. He's trying to push in everybody else in that defense department. Trump needs a clean house because he has a lot of swamp creatures in his defense defense department. If you look at uh, uh, if you look at uh, people who say, you know, oh well, you know, we, we don't need to do we don't need to have people foot on the ground in Iran. We don't need that. We don't need to send the airborne out there. You know what we need to do? We need to just you know maybe attack here, attack there. But Putin came out today. In the news, Putin said any military intervention in Iran will be uh, 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 a bad thing for the whole region. That lets you know that if we do anything to Iran, we got to worry about China, we got to worry about North Korea, we got to worry about Russia, and then guess what? We're going to be in a new World War III. So that's my is screw the whole foreign. My foreign policy is very libertarian. I don't care. Let them let them blow each other up, do whatever they want. We don't need to be over there. If it's not a clear-cut holocaust, we don't need to be over there defending anything. Let them do what they do, and we focus on America. We need to focus on immigration. We need to focus on jobs. We need to focus uh, 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 on things in that nature. We need to focus on education. We need to focus on making sure that the market is doing good in America. Let's focus on, like President Trump said, in his uh, uh, inauguration, America first. We're not going to make the mistakes of the past like the Bush and the Obamas and the Clintons and whoever. We're not going into war. I believe President Trump knows he's doing. He's trying to avoid war. But I really fear that the people around him is going to keep pushing him because they know that he attacked. If he, if, if he feels threatened, he's going to attack back. They Like you said, Rory, at the beginning, 
I believe we need to really, um, you know, pray for President Trump that he doesn't make the wrong decision and decide to do something when it comes to war or military intervention. Now, I would say that, um, you know, we can do uh, pull out all the military troops. That's my thing. That's my utopia vision is we won't have any troops in the Middle East. Just screw the Middle East. Middle East can do what they want to. We're America. We focus on ourselves. Um, now, we can't put more sanctions and things of that nature and, you know, do no trade, give, have no negotiation with Iran at all, and let Iran do what they do. That's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Very well said. Um, let, me, let me also uh, let me introduce um, – we have on the line right now Second Amendment advocate, yeah. and spokesman, entrepreneur, musician, commentator, activist. Best-selling author, Dan Watts. Dan Watts, how are you, my friend? Welcome back. Hey, Rory. Thanks for having me on your show. Hey, guys. How's everybody tonight? A lot of great comments on this. Um, I was just after listening to Gianni. I I, I agree. I think um, I don't I don't have a whole lot to add to this because everyone everyone pretty much said everything that I that I that I think about it. But um, Gianni made a good point. Is that um, you know President Trump probably is a is much more level headed on this topic than than ever than most people think and they right. are trying to a lot of people are trying to push him into into this um i think the democrats would love to see him go uh, go into this so they could have more things to to blame on president trump but um a couple of things that i would add um if you notice president trump used the term big mistake and I think he's very clever with his words. Now, that could have meant two different things. A uh, big mistake could come off as a threat uh, to whoever needs to be threatened, but it can also come off as an actual mistake because he does – I think he does believe that it was a mistake um, that the, the, you know, the drone being shot down. So I think he's playing it very carefully and very cautiously. Um, if it was, you know, because it was unmanned, um, it's a, it's a totally different. Uh, seems like it's a totally different, uh, ga- a totally different game. The policy is different when there's a, if an American was killed, and that would change everything, um, as far as I know. Uh, but he, yeah, like I said, he seems more level-headed. Uh, I think, um, I think we're going to be okay on this. I, I I don't know for sure, but um, it seems like we're going to hopefully avoid any major any major conflict. Uh, President Trump is smarter than that. Um, unless there's good reason, I think we'll, uh, he'll, he'll stay out of it. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Very, very, very well said. Uh, I also uh, would like to welcome to the show. Uh, we have on the line, uh, lawyer, lobbyist, political consultant, and president, president of Frontiers for Freedom, George Landreth. George, how are you? Welcome back. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, George, what are your thoughts on um, this whole Iran situation? Well, you know, the Iranians are um, acting out. This is kind of what uh, they have a history of doing. Quite frankly, so does Kim Jong-un. When uh, when they're uh, having difficulties and struggling under sanctions, they tend to act out, hoping to um, – get somebody to throw them a lifeline. Sometimes it's our allies who, um, you know, are lily livered and kind of, you know, Oh, come on, lighten up. Or sometimes it's us, you know, whatever, you know, we saw Barack Obama was always ever, you know, never had anything to say about them and just kind of let them have their way. 
So I think this president is smarter than to let them have their way. At the same time, he was elected um, because people understood that he wasn't going to thrust us into wars foolishly and he was going to get us out of wars. I think that, um, that you know he's going to do that. I don't see us getting involved in, in a war, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised if there's some what you might call retaliatory or military actions. You know, cruise missiles don't put American lives at risk. Uh, drones don't put American lives at risk. I don't see him landing um, any troops, um, you know, marching down the street of Tehran. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they had some visits from some things that were made in the U.S. and that go boom. And just as a way to let them know, you guys are going to have to play ball by my rules. These are these the rules aren't Barack Obama's rules anymore. So I mean, I, I. Um, I'm I'm not too worried that the people around him will can can get him uh, suckered into war because I just I don't see him as that um that open if you will to the s- suggestion. I think this is a, a man who knows his mind, he knows what he was elected for. And if we've seen him, you know, on so many issues, whether it's judges or other issues, he hasn't really bent to political pressure. So I don't think he's going to bend to pressure from people around him. And I think I heard Sebastian Gorka kind of make the same comment was that this is not a guy who's gets pushed around by his staff. So I'm, I'm optimistic that there will be some uh, good solutions. Some good things will happen. It will not be a war, but I feel like America will come out on top. Our interest will, and it may involve some uh, military activity, but I do not believe it will be anything remotely close to war. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and do you see it pretty much as a similar situation to when Kim Jong-un and Trump were going back and forth, but then finally they they sat down and, and uh, you know, started to talk about certain things? I mean, do you see it kind of a situation like that? I do. Um, if you'll notice, he has been fairly measured. He hasn't been, um, you know, his 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 verbal responses. I, I forget who's who it was earlier who pointed out he used his words carefully and he talked about this as a mistake. And I think that's because it had multiple possible meanings, and he wants it to have multiple possible meanings. But I think right. he was trying to extend to them the opportunity to take him up on the offer to have some conversations. And um, I don't, you know, like I said, he is um, he's a very shrewd negotiator. And um, yes. and I don't believe he's going to get pushed into war. I think he very much would like to resolve this without war. We've seen him, you know, and not that we can go to war with Mexico, but, you know, everyone's, oh, he's getting trade war with Mexico. We didn't get into trade war with Mexico. Uh, you know, they they folded, you know, immediately and came to terms and uh, on his terms. So to me, that's that's what he's always trying to do. He's always trying to figure out how to get people to see things his way. He's the consummate the consummate diplomat to the extent that this is what diplomacy should mean. It's the art of letting other people have your way. Yeah, very, very, very well said. Absolutely right. Um, we'll, we're going to go to a commercial, everybody, and we will be right back with retired police chief and homicide detective Michael Valsi. Stay with us, everybody. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. 
New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Fridays, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. <clears throat> and we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast worldwide. Listen to now in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, we need 24-7 breaking news coverage. Please visit our media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. And don't forget, in the coming week, in, in about a month, we will be launching our new media network called Live Media Guide that we will be merging with the Next Gen USA. And for Live Media Guide, the new network, we are raising over a million dollars, a lot of money. Uh, it's going to be a 24-7 news network. Uh, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, my good friend, and uh, my good friend Robert Spencer, director of Jihad Watch, uh, are going to be the – both of those guys are going to be the faces of the network, and both of those guys have millions of followers, and our lineup uh, for the entire network is unbelievable. I mean, uh, we pretty much have it about 80% full now, and uh, we'll have uh, show hosts here in the United States, and like I said, when it's the middle of the night here, you'll have we'll have all our hosts – over in India, Europe, China, doing their shows. So 24-7, guys, it never, ever, ever stops. And uh, it really is perfect timing for for when we're launching it because political season is here, everybody. It is here. And uh, a lot to look forward to, that's for sure. Um, I do want to welcome to the show uh, retired police chief, homicide detective, and activist Michael Valsi. Michael. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. First time on. Thanks, Roy, for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with your distinguished guests, uh, listening to your uh, conversations about Iran. Uh, quite interesting. I think there's one point I wanted to make 
not only were I think please, the president was please, extremely yeah. measured in his, in his comments today, but I, I thought that there's such a level of confidence in the way he spoke. And I think that was maybe intentional to reassure the, the people. But I think there's something in the works that uh, that he's got in mind or got working. I think this matter gets resolved rather quickly. And what are your I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on on the, on the entire situation though with Iran? I mean, do you do you see a war happening? I mean, how do you how do you view it? No, I, I don't think I see a war happening. I, I somebody did mention uh, it's very similar to what we saw in North Korea. I think there are some internal yeah. forces that work in both of those countries, and I'm not sure that Iran in general wanted that to happen. It almost right. it, it was obvious in his in his comments today. I think that uh, you know if there's internal forces that work, we certainly knew about it in uh, in North Korea, and we certainly know about it in Iran. Uh, and you have to consider we've had a lot of prior dignitaries going over to Iran and communicating with Iran. Just an indication to me that there's something larger at stake here. And I think he's got a pretty good handle on it. The confidence level, like I said today in that uh, presser he did was, uh, that was, that was intentional. Right. No, I, I agree. I agree with you. And, um, Michael, since it's your first time on the show, like I do with all my guests when they first come on, you know, tell tell us about your career. Tell it how tell us how it all started for you. You know, tell us about uh, how you got to where you were, and obviously the details of being a retired police chief, and obviously the, the you know the details about that job when you were there. I think you said you like thirty years or something. You're also you were also a homicide detective. Yes, I uh, I started my law enforcement career many many years ago uh, with the Indiana University system. I had worked a little with the auxiliary police units uh, in uh, Gary, Indiana. I'm sure you all heard of that town. And after I, uh, after I worked with the university police, and I actually attended the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy while I was a university policeman, I was hired by Gary. Because of my prior experience, I went uh, almost directly into undercover narcotics. Well, I worked for a while and then wound up in the narcotics division. From there, I went to a tactical unit and from the tactical unit to homicide. And I worked homicide for many years. Uh, and as you can imagine, uh, uh, quite a few murders, quite a few robberies. There's not you much see I everything, haven't seen. Probably, right? Yeah, but just like law enforcement, and I don't know how it is. I know how it is in the states around us. We're not paid very well. And I had an opportunity to, to take a job with uh, Crown Point, Indiana, and uh, I did, and became assistant chief relatively soon. And I was uh, promoted to chief of police, and I served that position for 10 years until I retired. And I thought, you know, that was a pretty full slate. It was time for me to get out. Uh, my youngest son is a Crown Point policeman now. So... So you've been so, so tell us so how long so how long were you a police chief and how long were you a homicide detective? I was in I worked in Gary for about seventeen years and then I worked uh, about twelve fourteen in Crown Point actually and then like I said part of that was as assistant chief so I was actually a policeman for thirty four years. And you know what 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 is the most disturbing thing that you've ever seen? That I've ever seen. 
Yeah, like I do investigator. I could get into a whole lot of things. I think the senseless murders were probably, you know, especially would involve children. I think those were the, the most disturbing. And the kind that kind of hit home, especially when you have children. Absolutely. And what 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 was the crime rate like where you where you were working? When I was working in homicide, we had quite a few murders. And, and the, the thing that kind of, I think, flies under the radar a little bit is I worked a lot of cases with Chicago PD. You know, I'd go up there to Chicago, and I'm sitting in one of their detective bureaus, and I'd ask a guy, how many homicides do you work a year? And he says, five or six. Well, the first year I went to homicide, I went there in October. From October to January, I had worked 30. So, I mean, you kind of get an idea of, you know, the volume of work uh, as opposed to what some of the other cities and towns, are, you know, see because they're they're properly staffed. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, absolutely. And, and what, you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry, continue your thoughts, please. Well, I, I you know, I was pretty successful. Uh, we had a really good unit I worked in, and, uh, you know, we pretty much solved about 85% of our cases with an 85% conviction rate. Which I thought was phenomenal, and and during the time that I was in homicide, actually the homicide rate dropped about fifty percent, um, and not so much in terms of you know what we did as homicide detectives, but what the administration did. There's little things that can be done in a community to lower the crime rate, you know, without totally trampling on people's rights, which seems to be the big issue now that comes up all the time. You know, what Rudy Giuliani did in New York, I think he dropped that crime rate down significantly just by instituting stop and frisk and things like that. Things that generate crime, they perpetuate crime. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And how do you how do you view the situation with the, with the police officers today? Uh, compared to what it was 20, 30 years ago. I mean, obviously today you have a lot of police officers that are scared to do their jobs, and you have the crime rates that are skyrocketing in so many different places. How do, how do you explain all this? You know, I get that. I get asked that question frequently, and like I said, I think Rudy Giuliani set the model in New York. Unless you're going to get out there in the streets and clear the, the street corners, uh, you know, and you know, when somebody resists, then you have the opportunity to shake them down if they have a weapon. Because a lot of times they're sitting there and they're waiting to prey on somebody. And right. I found that to be so true. And, you know, as busy as I was in homicide sometimes, you know, the chief would come in and say, okay, we're rounding up everybody tonight. I'd say, well, I'm working on two or three murders, you know. We don't care what you're doing. We're going out to clear the street corners. And that's what we did. You know, we didn't let people loiter around. And I, I, I think it breeds crime. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and describe, descri- you know, obviously Chicago has always been, you know, a city filled with crime. So, you know, kind of describe when you did, you know, cases there compared to, this, 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 the crime, the crime setting it was when you were working on working there compared to what it is now. I mean, it's still obviously I mean, now it's some of the biggest crime ever. But obviously, oh, go ahead. 
I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, police are in general very cautious about performing their their duties anymore. And I don't think it was like that when I worked. I felt very confident going out and doing what had to be done without fear of reprisal or repercussion or lawsuits. Not to say that I didn't have a few filed against me from time to time. They never went anywhere. Um, I think I think there's a certain amount of apprehension on the part of policemen today. Uh, and, I, and I don't know that it was – I'd say it started probably over the last 8, 10 years, 12 years. It seems like it got progressively worse. You know, now they expect all policemen to be wearing body cameras and be able to have visual proof of every action that they take. Um, you know, that, that puts a lot of pressure on them, especially young policemen. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And, and you know, how do you, how, how would you, if you were in charge, how would you help solve the terrible epidemic of of gang and gun violence in places like Chicago, Baltimore, a lot of these inner city places? I mean, what what would you do? You know, because we're seeing constantly uh, in Chicago, especially. I mean, there's. 50 to 60 people getting shot every weekend. I mean, it doesn't end. Um, you know, it just gets worse and worse. And don't forget, that's the number one controlled guns, uh, gun, that's the number one gun control city in America. And all these Democrats are there about gun control. But these inner cities are a mess. They really are. I, I'm going to tell you, there's so many guns out there. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and millions of guns, guns illegally on the street. All these gun laws do, like I've said many times, it leaves the good guy defenseless because good guys follow laws and the bad guys don't follow laws, so they get their guns off the street illegally. That's exactly right. I mean, when I was working narcotics, we raided houses. It, was, it wouldn't be unusual to, to uh, confiscate uh, between 50, 100, or more guns out of one house. You know, they sell them for drugs. Burglars, that's the number one thing they look for, uh, guns, jewelry. I know a lot of the burglaries that we continue to have, uh, like in the northern part of Indiana, that's basically what they're looking for. They're looking for guns and jewelry, things they can easily get rid of. So there's guns out there to be had, and there's no way any kind of gun control is ever going to seize those guns, ever. just not going to happen. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But what would you do? What would you do to clean up these inner cities? If you were if you were the police chief in some of these places, what would you do? I think what you have to do is you have to get out. You have to send your people out. Uh, if you have detectives uh, that work gang units, that that work drug units and things like that, you got to find out where the source of the problem is, and you have to go to them, and you have to basically tell them, look, you're not running the city. We are. And that was basically the message that we did. We went out into the housing projects and and we went places and we found the leaders of these groups. And unless you address the problem head on, it's going to just fester. And that's what it does. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, we have, we have all these politicians that are really, especially on the left, really ruining things for, for the inner cities. I mean, we, we've been seeing it for so long. I mean, these problems can be fixed, uh, but usually where, where these where these problems are are in democratic areas. And we all know Democrats want to still 
want to have the problem stay so they can say they have a solution every election cycle. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all part of the game, you know. Well, that's been a vicious cycle for a long time. And I'm going to tell you, with the flow of drugs, I and mean, I know it's down, and I can't speak for the rest of the country. I did read an article that said that the opioids were down about a third over the last uh, year or so, which is a good sign being how poor borders been. Uh, right. But until you get a handle on, on the on the drug flow coming into the United States, uh, it's gonna that problem is going to be awful hard to correct without getting in there and dealing with the drug dealers themselves. You have to take yeah, a resource. Mean, yeah, and for for instance, we just saw one of the biggest drug busts the other day. I think it was in Philadelphia on the boat. Uh, they had uh, some one of the biggest drug busts ever. In, in terms of uh, the, the size of it, and it was cocaine. I mean, you ha- on a ship. I mean, you have them coming in so, from so many different ways and areas. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, they're going to use any means necessary. I, I remember uh, shipments of uh, uh, cocaine and heroin coming in via UPS. And I'm standing yeah. in, a, in a guy's business who was in a neighboring city. He was the president of the Chamber of Commerce. And he was yeah. the one getting the drug shipment in, right? So, you know, you you can find the source. You have to start with the little guys, you know, and that then they'll lead you to the source. And I found that to be very, uh, uh, you know, successful. Uh, and the same situation that the feds use. The feds use the same premise, you know. They turn these little guys in hopes to get the bigger guys. The problem is, is, you know, until that border is closed and we can slow the influx of drugs coming into this country, this problem is going to going to fester, I believe. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. Um, I do, everybody, I do want to um, get into a, a big topic, and I'm going to get everybody's thoughts on this, but a, bi- a big topic that's going on right now. Uh, around, you know, the the entire media uh, is Joe Biden's situation with his son and, you know, all these different deals that they've been involved with. You have the China deal. You have the Ukrainian deal. And let me, let me just read this article to you guys of this report that came out earlier today. Uh, a former Ukrainian prosecutor uh, general is speaking out after Vice President Joe Biden Joe Biden forced him out of his job. Uh, Speaking to ABC News, former Prosecutor General Victor Shokin said he has no doubt Biden wanted him gone to help protect his son Hunter Biden's employer. At the time, Shokin was investigating Burisma Holdings while Biden's son Hunter was on the board earning as much as $50,000 a month. Biden was acting not like a U.S. vice president, but as an individual. He said to ABC News, like the individual interested in in having me removed, having me gone so I did not not interfere in the Burisma investigation. The connection was first revealed in author Peter Schweitzer's best-selling book, Secret Empires, and was featured in reports by Breitbart News. In 2008, during a speech to the Council on Foreign Relations, Biden bragged about strong-arming the Ukrainian government. Quote, unquote, if the prosecutor is not fired, you are not getting the money, Biden recalled saying. Well, quote, unquote, son of a bitch, he got fired. Jesus, man. I mean, we're, we're looking 
at, at this situation right now. And imagine if this was Donald Trump's son that was involved with this huge scandal or scandals. I mean, it's not just one, everybody. And, and, the, fa- and the fact that Biden keeps denying it and avoiding the questions, for instance, I'm going to play the clip here in just a second, but ABC News, yes, everybody, ABC News, the liberal of all liberals, tried to call him out and ask him to ask Joe Biden about his son Hunter Biden's dealings, and Joe refuses to answer the questions and avoids the camera. This is not, this is not, it's not going to look good, especially if you have the liberal media coming after you now. I mean, usually we see the mainstream liberal media protect their candidates, but I'm, you know, they're, they're really coming after Joe. They really are. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you have a guy in power, and this happens to so many different people in power, but they, they, they abuse everything they have. They, they betray their own nation, and then they go take all this money from foreign entities and foreign governments. And then they pretend, they, they pretend uh, you know, they're this innocent, you know, uh, moral, moral-filled individual. That's what Joe Biden acts like. He, he, he acts like he, he does nothing ever wrong. Typical, typical politician. And don't don't forget how much you know this you know this money wasn't just small amounts of money. All all these deals that the Bidens were doing is sick sick amount amounts of money. We're talking billions, billions would it be, everybody? Sick sick stuff, and you know it, it's uh, it really needs to uh, uh, keep coming out so we can know uh, more and more. I want to play this clip. Uh, about on Biden, uh, you know, avoiding uh, ABC cameras, uh, one, one, six. That ABC News investigation this morning into Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and questions about money he made from foreign business dealings while his father was vice president. Our chief national affairs correspondent, Tom Yamas, traveled to Ukraine to try to get some answers. And Tom, what did you find? Dave, good morning to you. This is actually an issue Joe Biden has been dealing with since 2014, but it's come up again because he's now running for president. Republicans, including President Trump, are trying to hammer Biden over this. At issue, was Hunter Biden profiting off his dad's work as vice president, and did Joe Biden allow it? We're talking about millions of dollars in at least two countries. Mr. Vice President, Tom Yamas with ABC News. How you doing? Got a quick question for you. It's a question we tried to ask repeatedly. Can, can, can we ask you about Ukraine and China? But kept getting blocked. Questions about foreign deals his son Hunter Biden pursued. My father, Joe Biden. In countries where Joe Biden was working as America's top diplomat. In 2014, Ukrainians, sick of corruption, revolted. Vice President Joe Biden went to Kiev to help the new government. You have to fight the cancer of corruption. But then something strange happened. Just three weeks later, a Ukrainian natural gas company, Burisma, accused of corruption, appoints Hunter Biden, seen here in their promotional videos, to their board of directors, paying his firm more than a million dollars a year. 
Hunter, a lawyer who had just been discharged from the Navy Reserves for testing positive for cocaine. Mr. Hunter Biden. He had served on other boards, but had no known experience in Ukraine or natural gas. We went to Kiev and found even among Joe Biden's supporters in Ukraine, Hunter's hiring was troubling. How do you judge what Hunter Biden was doing? I think that Hunter Biden did a very bad thing and he was very wrong. He allowed his name to be abused. And Ukraine wasn't the only country where Hunter Biden's business and his father's diplomacy as vice president intersected. It also happened in China. This video shows Chinese diplomats greeting Vice President Biden as he arrived in Beijing in December of 2013. Right by his side, his son Hunter. Less than two weeks later, Hunter's firm had new business, creating an investment fund in China involving the government-controlled Bank of China. With reports, they hope to raise $1.5 billion. Hunter still plays a role in the fund. His lawyer says his stake is worth about half a million dollars. Both Hunter and his lawyers say he never discussed any of his overseas work with his father. But even a critic of the current president and his children's business dealings says this. He should have encouraged his son to not take these positions. Biden's campaign team told us that the vice president acted at all times in a manner consistent with well-established executive branch ethics standards. One person who did not want to talk about it, Joe Biden. Mr. Vice President, what's your take on that? Was there a conflict of interest there? Was there a clear conflict of interest? Now, in response to our questions, the Biden campaign, for the first time, is announcing if he's elected, he will invoke a new ethics policy on his first day in office that would empower White House lawyers to monitor for any types of conflicts of interest. Now, Hunter Biden did not want to comment on camera. He says he was brought into Burisma, that Ukrainian company that was facing the corruption charges, to help with its transparency and corporate responsibility. So far, no charges have been brought against Burisma so far. But these questions aren't going to go away. So in the meantime, is he still on the board for that company in Ukraine? It's a good question, David. So the same month Joe Biden announces he's going to run for president, Hunter Biden tells us his term on the board expired. He says in the current political climate, he's decided not to renew. All right. Tommy, I'm yeah. investigating this morning. Thanks, Tommy. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News. You Dr. Branch, go ahead. Yes. First off, I, I want to welcome the chief to uh, the show. Uh, I, I'll tell you, Rory, th th this man is, you know, he's a legend and it's really, you know, an honor. I, I don't know how you get your guest on, but I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm a... So, Dr. Brecht, you're cutting out for a second. Well, I just want to thank the chief for everything that he's done. Uh, for yeah. us, and he continues to do for us. Thank you for supporting the president and the the Keep America Great agenda. And you know, it, it's an honor to be speaking with you tonight. Uh, regarding Joe Biden, goodness gracious, you know this this is a guy that when Obama was running for president said, well, you know what? He's articulate and clean. You know, he's the one that said you can't work at a Seven Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts without an Indian accent. Then he said, hey, I'm yep. serious. You know, this is this is a guy that brags that he's worked with the segregationist and, and, and was able to get things accomplished. You know, and, and, and he, you know, let's face it, man, he's, he's creepy Joe. He's creepy, sleepy Joe. Uh, yep. And, you know, we talked about Hunter probably about a month and a half back. 
Uh, and, you know, this, this whole situation, you know, and, and I like how CBS News lobbed it on the Trump people saying, well, the Republicans want to know. No, it's actually the Democrats that are running against him for president. They want to make sure that this is out there as well. Uh, this needs to be investigated. Uh, I think Joe Biden is, I, you know, I, I don't see him lasting the entire election. I, I, I don't. I, I think that he doesn't have a taste for it. We've seen that he had more people at a fundraiser in a private home than he had in Iowa rally. You know, in, in, you know, he had like 150 people at his rally. No one's coming out to see this guy. You know, nobody even wants him running for this office. And to me, um, you know, when he doesn't answer these hard questions, it, it just, you know, it, it just shows that there is something there. Very true, Dr. Vance. Very, very well said. And, you know, I think – I agree with you. I don't think Biden's going to last. I think it's either going to be Pocahontas or Bernie who gets the nominee. And you, you said that without doing your Bernie impression. No. Bernie, Bernie. You know, I, I, said, I, said, I said it a few months ago, too, that I, I thought that the nominee would either be probably Pocahontas or Bernie. And I, and I, I, don't, think, I don't think my mindset's changed. I think that's – it's either going to be one of them who's going to face Trump. I, I don't think Biden's got the stomach for it. I, I, I you know, he, he doesn't have the stomach to answer all the attacks, the flip flopping, right. and flip flopping back. He, you know, he, he's just he, he's, you know, somebody called him a dinosaur the other day, and I agree. You know, uh, he <laughs> needs to just go away. But then again, you know, I hope he stays in as long as possible because all he does is. You know, just gives oh, us Trump. the reason, more reasons to vote for President Trump. So, exactly. landslide, here we come. Absolutely. Uh, Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I I haven't did a lot of research when it comes to his son and all that. But, you know, the funny thing to me is, it's just seeing how they're eating each other alive. I mean, it's just so hilarious to me because... Do you really think no one knew about Joe Biden and his son and all this other stuff for a long time? Like, like Lindsey Graham said on an interview, why didn't this stuff come up when he was running with Obama, when he was vice exactly. president, running for vice president? Why didn't this stuff come up then? It, and here's the thing. Joe Biden is – I actually had the uh, pleasure of meeting Joe Biden a few years ago uh, <laughs> when it was in D.C., and I shook his hand. And he seemed to be like, you know, the working class uncle, you know, that lives in Pennsylvania, you know, that's very cool. He seemed to be that type of person, you know, so I don't, I don't really know him, but like, you know, in his personal life, but I know how he was when I met him. He seemed like a cool guy, you know, but I think, honestly, this is my opinion. I really think that he's going to win the Democrat nominee. I mean, cause I mean, look at it, all this, you know, um, uh, uh, bad attention he's getting, bad press. This stuff is going to make him famous. I mean, look at how Trump was. We everybody kept attacking Trump, saying Trump is this, Trump is that, and look what happened. He beat all the Republicans that everyone was like for Ted Cruz. Everyone was for uh, Marco Rubio. You know, those are the two guys that everybody was going for. People even thought Jed Bush was going to win. You know, he's a pansy. You know, but in the Democratic 
uh, uh, thing, I think Joe Biden is the one that's going to win. Because at the end of the day, people can say, you know, they don't want a white man, they don't want an old white man. But at the end of the day, it's going to be an old white man that's going to win. We know a woman is not going to win on the Democratic side. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. And so I really think that Joe Biden is going to lead the ticket. And all this stuff coming out all of a sudden about him saying, you know, he worked with segregationists and, you know, locking people up, that's in raves and all this other stuff. It's it's gonna it's gonna it's not gonna work against him. It's gonna actually help him and people are gonna still vote for him because I mean, who else could you really vote for? I mean, no one else really has that uh how you say that popularity that can take on Trump. Joe Biden is the only one that's really in the public eye that has to like us millennials call it, we call it clout, you know, or popularity. Uh, to take on Trump because I guarantee you Pocahontas there's no way in hell they know she's going to uh, 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 beat Trump uh, you got uh, uh, Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders is going to get fucked by the DNC I already know it that's not even a question um, all the other people up there on the that's like the other what is it like 20 people that's running or something like that none of them are going to yeah. be able to stand it Joe Biden is going to be the one that's going to stand through it all, and he's going to talk about policy and stuff, and people are going to vote for him because they know him from the Obama years. It's all about popularity to me. That's what it is. No, but I I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I I just don't think the enthusiasm is there for Biden like it was for Obama. I mean, I I just, I don't know, man. I, I I see Biden, you know, trying to, you know, I I just I, he he's he's trying to go to like somewhat of a moderate level, but also trying to agree with a lot of these crazy left wing policies. I just think he's turning a lot of people off, and I don't think I don't yeah. think he's enthusiasm high. Like I, there's a reason why they call him Sleepy Joe. I I just don't think there's excitement. But then then again, you do bring up the point where he was Obama's sidekick. So yeah, and I think that that's. What's going to happen, especially, you know, like you said, Joe Biden, he's now all of a sudden a progressive now. I'm like, dude, you are an old school Democrat and you know it. Like, don't even try to act like you're this AOC now. You know what I mean? And it's so it, you can tell it's phony what he's doing. But I think um, that's what's going to happen. The DNC is going to push Joe Biden up because they know that that's the guy they want. Most of the DNC relatively is very moderate now. But. They see that the new people that are coming in, like the AOCs, are taking over, you know, the Nancy Pelosi's now. But they're going to try to push a moderate because they know that they can't beat Trump with extreme progressive, progressive, progressivism. What they have to do is they're going to go, because I've done politics a long time when it comes to strategy. They're going to use Joe Biden because they want to get people like Pennsylvania and those places in the South where, you know, Democrats used to run a lot. And they're going to try to have that middle-class Democrat try to come back, and that's what it's going to use Joe Biden in. But for that reason, when Joe Biden faces Trump, he's not going to be able to lure the millennials in because the millennials are not going to vote for him. The millennials are all for Bernie Sanders, and we know that. But for right now, I think that's how things are going to roll. No, no, I think you make a good point, though. No, I, I see where you're coming from, absolutely. Um, let, let's, go to, let's go to Eric. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think Joe Biden is a is a, a mixture of a double headed monster. 
I think he, uh, I think because he was able to hang around long enough faking this idea that he's a blue collar worker when he's always worked for the government and that, you know, he, he, I don't think he's a very smart person. I really don't. I think he, he saw a Brock get away with things, Hillary get away with things. And so his son is a total disaster getting kicked out of the military for drugs. So he says, well, no problem. I'll just take him over to China. I mean, over to, uh, Ukraine, and I'll just get him a job. I'll get him hooked up with some people, and not even connecting the fact that he's the vice president. It looks wrong. It, it, there's nothing. There's nothing righteous or good or respectable about. But it was very obvious he used his position to get his son to get his son that that board position. But Biden, right now, for him to say, "Oh, uh, I, it was better when I had segregationists." working with me because we got stuff done. I mean, his staff has been telling him, don't ever say that. Don't talk about those guys. He did it anyway, and then he tells Cory Booker, I'm not apologizing. You should apologize to, about me wanting to apologize. Well, the base of the Democratic Party, they're, they're holding on to the, to the low-educated Rust Belt worker, the black community, you know, they, they, they only have a certain system, like the, your previous guest was right. Um, the millennials are not going to vote for Biden. So he's he's really being stupid, and I really think Joe Biden, I actually don't think Joe Biden's a very smart person, and that's not a, that's just because he's not the sharpest pack in the box. That doesn't mean that I'm I'm brilliant compared to him. I just don't think he belongs in this position. I think if it gets to the debate, the only thing he can say is, I'm going to go punch Trump in the face because he's not going to be able to articulate a decent position. So uh, I think Biden might be forced to stay the course to try to win Michigan, Pennsylvania, and um, Ohio and Florida. So he may be forced to stay in for the sake of the party. But if he was to get in, he would be like an AOC on steroids, hyper stupidity with power, and that would be really bad for the country. Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're absolutely right. Very, Very well said. Uh, George, uh, you're a lawyer. You're a DC insider. Uh, you you know a lot about what goes on there. What are your thoughts on this whole Hunter Biden situation? Well, like I, I think this just shows, ain't it great to be a Democrat? Because if uh, if double this standards. were one of uh, yeah, if this if there weren't for double standards, the left would have no standards at all. Um, you know, the, it's I mean, if this were a Bush, if this were a Trump, if this were you know. Ronald Reagan's son, you know, you can go back quite a ways. These guys would be in jail right now. Um, but, it, you know, if you're Hillary Clinton, you can, you know, you, you can sell uranium and personally profit by it. You can do all kinds of stuff. You know, you can take your son with you to China and, and, and you know, Ukraine. And it's just, to me, it is stunning. And it demonstrates a fundamental difference between uh, the two parties. I've a lot, long argued the the biggest difference between the left and the right is that in the final analysis, the left is comprised of people who are predominantly at their core moral relativists, and so it's okay for Barack Obama to lie about you can keep your doctor if you if you like it, you can keep your plan if you like it. That's okay. He can do all that because after all. He's trying to make the world a better place. 
Um, but you know, if but if uh, if Donald Trump uh, invites the uh, college national champions to the White House during a shutdown and buys hamburgers for him, and then he says, "Yeah, we had enough hamburgers here to go here halfway to the moon," they'll fact check that and call him a liar when it turns out they wouldn't quite make it halfway to the moon because it was actually just kind of a figure of speech. But they'll treat it like it's a serious statement. So, I mean, that's what enables these people to operate is in the final analysis, they do not believe in right and wrong. Yeah, and, and, and as a lawyer, explain what would happen to Joe Biden if he wasn't uh, vice president of the United States. Well, you know, if he hadn't been vice president of the United States, what he's doing is, is illegal. That We have the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Um, it's illegal to um, – if you're a, if you're a, the head of an American corporation and you do business with foreign companies or foreign governments and you engage in anything like bribery to obtain work or to get favors, that even if it happens in the other country, it's illegal under American law. And so under U.S. law, you can be prosecuted and go to jail for that. It's called the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Anyhow, bottom line is. Uh, it's like I say, it is great to be a Democrat because the rules don't apply. You can make money, you can lie, cheat, and steal, and it's all okay because you are good deep down in your heart. Because you know, you can say things like, We're going to put you all back in chains and all this other crazy stuff, but none of that makes you a racist. Because after all, yeah. we know he wants good for the country, he's just a good man. <laughs> How do we know that? Because he's a Democrat. <laughs> You're, you're absolutely right, and I've always said I, that. I want to make it very clear in case someone is reading a transcript of this. I don't believe any of the stuff I just said. I said it all with a very sarcastic tone to my voice. But if you, someone was reading a transcript, they'd say, Landris lost his mind. Because <laughs> let, let me sarcasm wouldn't come through. No, no, I, no, I hear it. I love, I love the sarcasm. But I've always said that Democrats care about feelings more than facts. I mean, they'd rather have a shitty – doctor that you know is nice to them and blows smoke up their butt rather than a mean doctor who is truth you know tells them the truth i mean it's yeah who cures the cancer or something no you're right the, the the question left of center is how do you feel about that you know how do you feel about tax cuts it's not it's like what do you mean how do i feel about tax cuts this isn't a feelings issue but, but that's but they but they will ask you how do you feel and then, how do you feel about tariffs? Well, actually, I don't feel about tariffs. I feel about my the people I love, my friends. I think about tariffs. I have thoughts about them. Yeah, but that's, that's not a question. Sure. No, you're, you're right. And what, what do you what do you think will happen to Joe Biden in the end? Do you think anything will happen? Well, you know, it's an interesting question because um, I'm torn between one of two results. One is I think that the party props him up and he stays in, but I don't think he can do it on his own. Uh, I see a guy who's way past his prime. Uh, he, you know, some people can be, uh, you know, 70, 75, and uh, and be absolutely on top of the world and no problem. I have a, I have a friend who plays basketball in competitive leagues at, at, at you know, in, in his early 80s, for example. But I've also seen yeah. people who are at that age will just kind of like sit in a chair and stare at the wall. And uh, right. he's a lot closer to sitting in a chair staring at the wall than he is to playing basketball. I don't think he's up to the rigors of it. So I'm curious to see how this plays out because 
at some point he won't be able to hide. He'll have to come out more, and he may reveal to everyone that he is, in fact, this tired Joe. But, but if the party can kind of rally around him and protect him and help him get through, um, then he may be the, the nominee because there certainly seems to be some sense of he's the one who can beat Trump, and that's all they – I don't think I am not saying I believe that, but that's what you know. I keep hearing them. Why do you support him? Oh, because he can be Trump. Oh, okay. Yeah, I you know if I recall, Hillary's going to be Trump too, right? Maybe I'm forgetting. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, there's so there's so much delusion. That's for sure. Uh, Dan Dan Watts, go ahead. Well, I I kind of hope that Biden will make it to the top of the heap of the Democrats because I'd love to see him run against Trump. I think Trump will absolutely destroy him um, because because I think well first of all there's a lot of content with all the stuff everyone here is talking about with Biden there's a lot of content there that Trump can attack and um, I think also everything that President Trump hates about Obama he'll be able to to aim at at Biden and I think that will be very helpful plus Joe has no energy. He just doesn't have the energy for this game. Not I mean, at you all. see Trump out. No, he really doesn't. I mean, you see Trump out there at the rallies, and you see Trump working, you know, 23 hours a day. And I don't know how the guy does it at his age. I can't do that, and I'm a lot younger. But energize um, funny. Yeah, yeah, and and Biden doesn't have any of that. He he doesn't have a bit of that energy. So Biden would be more like Hillary too. Um, and I think Trump would absolutely destroy him. It would be fun to watch, and it would be it would be good entertainment. Um, <clears throat> plus, and here's here's something I was thinking about while while everyone was talking, it would kind of put a, a stake through the heart of uh, of the socialist movement, and I think that would be important because if, for instance, Bernie Sanders did make it uh, to run against Trump, I think. In some small way, it might give the appearance, uh, the appearance of credibility to the idea of socialism, and I don't want to see that. We know there's no credibility there, but it might give the appearance of credibility if, if you know, if uh, Bernie was to make it. So I don't want to see that, um, and I think that if. Uh, if Pocahontas was to make it, I think he would send her home crying. I don't think she's got the strength, the will, and the uh, you know. I don't. I don't. I just don't think she has it. So, um, I'm I'm uh, rooting for Biden <laughs> to make it, so we can watch uh, some good uh, some good TV. And what are your thoughts on this whole this whole Hunter Biden situation? Well, I I think it's pretty typical of. Democrats to set up their children uh, and and make sure that they they make all sorts of money, whether it's off taxpayers or or shady deals. Because I mean, look at I mean Hillary Clinton, she made sure that um, you know Chelsea got all sorts of money. Maxine Waters paid her daughter seventy five thousand dollars to send out campaign mailers. I think they're all corrupt over there and and they'll use every opportunity they can so their families will benefit. You know, how does Obama become so rich? How do any of these politicians become so rich uh yeah. making millions you know of dollars you know of net worth 
after running, you know, working in, in politics because their paycheck certainly wasn't that much. Where did the money come from? So they're always finding ways to filter money, and I think they're all just as corrupt as the next one. So, uh, yeah, the whole Biden, the, the whole um, the whole Hunter uh, Hunter Biden thing, I, I think uh, – I, I, yeah, I think Joe is behind it. I think it's all it's all corrupt, and and I hope it comes out because again, that will be another thing that President Trump can use as ammunition. Um, I think it'll be a, it'll be just hysterical. The, the, the debates would be the debates would be absolutely hysterical. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're absolutely right, uh, Michael Valsi. Michael, go ahead. What are your thoughts? Well. I think uh, you have to understand, you know, there's an investigation going on, uh, not only in the Ukraine. I think there's one going on here. Everybody keeps hearing about the storm. You know, there's a storm coming. There's some people that are going to go to jail. And Biden better hope his name isn't on that list, and I'm afraid that it might be. Uh, I I don't see how he escapes this. Not when the president said uh, he's going to drain the swamp. I don't think that was... I think that was meant for a reason. He's cleaning up some of the corruption. And I think what's going to happen is that you can almost see it in Biden. I think that's why you see the low energy. I think there's a certain amount of nervousness amongst Biden and Biden's people. Uh, I think they know this is, that he has to answer this at some point. And the other point I wanted to make is that, you know, we're, we're so far out from the election. So many things can happen. If you look at a Republican poll from this same time in 2016, I think you're probably familiar with the one that was just posted had Jeb Bush at 22%, and it had Trump and Cruz way down the list at 1%. A lot of things changed over that period of time from then till the election or till the nomination. I think I'm, you're looking at the same thing here with the Democrats. I think a lot of things are going to change. Don't be surprised if some outsider doesn't get in this race or somebody they're not they don't have somebody either holding in the wings getting ready to get in this race uh we may be looking at uh, somebody altogether different by the time uh this thing is all said and done but i do believe that there's an internal uh, investigation going on i think it's been going on and my own opinion is it started long before trump i actually think trump was recruited to run for president I think this investigation has been going on a long time, and I think we're going to see the fruits of that investigation in the very near future. That's my two cents. I agree. Very very well said. Uh, Let's go to Mike Peters in New York. Mike Peters, go ahead. Hi. Sorry about that. I was was working, so I'm coming in really late to the show, but glad to be here. Um, I, I'm just agreeing with I agree with everything that's been said right now. I just, uh, as I said before uh, yesterday, I even mentioned it. I hope that they really start dragging these people in. I, I really hope that Barr ends up uh, handing out the indictments like like playing cards, and they start dragging them in to re rekindle the trust because nobody trusts the court system or anything else, the government or anything else, and they have to do that. They have to put the trust back out there. Um, so it's just a matter of time, I think, but I wish, I wish they'd speed it up. That's all I have to say. No, I agree with you. I agree. Uh, let, let's go to, uh, AJ, AJ from Houston. Many 
probably have heard him on the Sean Hannity show, Rush Limbaugh show. AJ, what are your thoughts, my friend? Mr. Big Time Roy, what's going on, Big Daddy? And uh, happy Father's <laughs> Day to everybody and all the guests and everybody that's on the uh, that's a dad. Because we only get one day. <laughs> Absolutely, we my only friend. get one day. God dang it! But hey, now back to the idiot. Now, hey, now the thing of it is, Roy, we have this dang on uh, deal that we got where Democrats are getting away with everything as the media let Obama get away with stuff, and Obama sit around and let 250 our troops get killed, and then a drone go down, get shot down. They want Trump to go to war. See, the thing of it is, I got a funny feeling Trump saying it the smart way, because I got a funny feeling that these idiots on that both sides trying to get Trump into this war with Iran, and then they're going to bash the man before the election like they did George Bush. Keep your eye on these suckers. They are so bad. Watch what they're doing. Like I was telling my uncle, I would say, hey, Obama got goddamn fucking, excuse my expression, he got 250 damn uh, troops killed and nothing was said. And uh, this thing gets shot down and y'all up there come up. Well, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? Well, well like you said, it wasn't a man in there, it wasn't a woman in there. Uh, it was an idiot over there that probably did something stupid. So do we just go and just curve everything and go into war for a drone? Obama didn't even do nothing, but now we should have went and did something when 250 our troops got killed. And then, uh, I mean, Japan, if they want to take care of it, let them go at it. But they want our allies now. So, you know, it's a deal that you got to really watch what, what these Democrats are doing. Carrying them went over there. Ain't no telling what Obama and them went over there. Obama gave him $140 billion. We just don't know. So Trump got to really watch it. All these Republicans and Democrats, you see them on TV right now. Yeah, we got to respond. We got to respond. But, guys, we got to watch out what we're doing. If you're going to do something, strike they make wherever them, they missiles or they, they deal that, hit that. You know, but you got to make sure collateral damage is not done to a certain degree. Now, if they hit something and it really like they did with Obama, now, now I say it's time to wipe that regime out over there. But this is, I got some, I got a, man, I just, this don't smell, it, this don't smell right right here. They want Trump to get into this thing right before the election, and I hope Trump don't fall for it. And then you got that right quick, I got our ramble, I know it. But you got that idiot Joe Biden. He's running around. He's sitting there with two doggone racist guys somebody he want to get across the table. Biden, you're sitting on the same side of the table with the Democrats. They're the ones that had slavery. They started the slavery. They're the ones that uh, Governor Wallace sat on the doggone uh, steps in, uh, what was that, Alabama or Mississippi or one of them, telling the, white, uh, the blacks you can't go to school with the whites or the other people. And then, wait a minute, Keith Ellison was on with Stepper Stupulis. You know I ramble. Stepper Stupulis. Keith Ellison, he up there trying to say that it was a Republican. Stepper Stupulis didn't have the, the balls to tell him he was wrong. It was the other guy that was, or the guest that was on there told Keith Ellison, no, it was Democrats. 
that was Governor Wallace was a Democrat. Chief Ellis saying that Governor Wallace was a Republican. Now, you tell me, Roy, why is the media kissing the Democrats behind like they did Obama? I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, guys, but the thing of it is you got to watch it because these idiots want to get us into a war. Obama got us in there with ISIS, didn't do the job. Trump had to come in and finish the job. I mean, yeah. all Obama eight years was war, and the media never said a word. Here we is again. Trump going to be more, I, I think he got to be more precise about it, guys, because what we're doing, we rambling about, but we ain't got no Republicans with no gojones. See, these Republicans, they should be running along with Trump right now to take this house back from these idiots over there. But nobody got no gojones. Only a few of them up there that's really doing it. We'll see what the Republicans do to get the house back. But we should have a double whammy. We should win the house, and we should win the White House back. But until then, and the black folks, they just got to wake up. They being used by the Democrat yeah. Party. They, again, they being used by the Democrat Party. They got to wake up. They using these illegals. Them the new uh, people in town, as they say. So they got to wake up. They taking jobs where black folks won't. You know, they won't go underpay like that. When the black folks used to be the one that took the job at being underpay like that. But now they bring yep. all these illegals in, all the diseases in, and it's, it's just right. a joke. And, and, and I'm, I'm just, man, you, America better wake up. If we better wake up or it's going to be like Germany or France. We don't, uh, yep. uh, I mean, it's just going to be crazy. I'm sorry, guys. It I, 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 it's just ridiculous, man. What we watch? No, you're fine. No, I, I love everything. You, I love everything you say. We do got to take a quick commercial, though, everybody, and we're going to be right, right back. Stay with us, everybody. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you.
Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to now in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit our media site, the next N-E-X, gen, G-E-N, USA, dot com. Um, I, I do, there's a lot to get into, and uh, I do also want to mention real quick, uh, remember everybody, in about a month, we will be launching the new media network, uh, live media guide, we'll be merging it with our current media network, the Next Gen USA, uh, we're raising a lot of money um, for the site, we'll be having America's toughest sheriff, my good friend Joe Arpaio, as the face of the new network, as well as my good friend uh, Robert Spencer, who's the head of Jihad Watch. Uh, both of those guys, as you, as you know, have millions of followers, and uh, we, we have a huge lineup on the site for TV show hosts and all that good stuff. And remember, like I said earlier in the show, it will be a 24-7 news network, so uh, never ends. It will never end. Production will be going constantly. Uh, I do, I do want to get into, we have about, a, we have about 25 minutes left. I want to I want to get into um, you know various things that are going on with the Democrats right now. I mean there there is so much madness. Um, you know this this whole you know this whole situation with with Democrat with Democrats giving illegals free health care. Uh, now you know we just saw that in California how they're putting forth that. But now a report out a report came out today that New York is now going to give illegals drivers license. And we all know why that is, everybody. So they can vote. So they can use the votes. This is how it all. This is how it starts. This is how it works. You have ID. You you go vote. We all know New York, uh, with how corrupt their their politicians are there. Uh, they they've pretty much made it, uh, you know, a necessity for illegals to vote in their elections. This is really this is really sick stuff right now. And you you have this is what the Democrats do. 
They put all these people in a box, illegal, blacks, Mexicans, Asians. We see what they're doing with blacks and slavery reparations. They're, they're trying to generalize. They're trying to speak for every single black person. They're trying to blame white people that didn't even own any slaves. If you really want somebody to pay for the reparation fees, why, why doesn't it be the Democrats? After all, they are the party that originated slavery. They are the people that are responsible. And guess what? It's white Democrats. They are the ones who originated plantation. Let's not forget that, people. And this whole usage uh, of these people as political pawns is it's pretty disgusting. And I'm just, and like I've said so many times on this episode, all we're seeing from the Democratic Party is anti-American stances, giving illegals driver's licenses, giving illegals free health care, um, slavery reparations uh, to, to try to do what they always do, you know, have, have the blacks on a chain. They, they love the authority. And it goes on and on. You know, now there was a report out from Pew Research. Illegal aliens are now in the U.S. in U.S. nearly a quarter. So listen to this. Illegal aliens currently in the U.S. are nearly a quarter of foreign-born population. Think about hear that again. Pew Research says illegal aliens currently in the U.S. are nearly a quarter of of them are foreign-born are foreign-born. This is scary, guys. I mean, we are losing our country in many ways with, with some of these uh, liberal, liberal city politicians. I mean, New York used to be beautiful. It used to be one of the greatest places to go. Now it's turning into a shithole. Same with California. One of, the most, one of the most desirable places to visit and one of the best economies. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's really, really sad what's going on. And, you know, this whole slavery reparation situation is probably the biggest nonsense I've ever seen. You know, and they want to blame white people. You know, let's face it, 80% of CEOs or business owners in America, like 80 or 90%, are white, are white males. And you're, you're trying to tell me that they're the enemy? They've given so many... African-Americans and and blacks opportunities in this life to chase the American dream, to have, you know, that, that same equality as, as, as white people, the people that are holding the blacks back are the Democrats, you know, by, by trying to convince them that they're oppressed, trying to divide and say the white man is the bad man. You can't listen to the white man. He doesn't know what's good for you. All the while, these white Democrat politicians are putting forth these laws. So they're saying don't trust the white man or the, or the white person. But all these politicians that are putting forth these laws, putting forth these laws for the most part, are white. I mean, yeah, you got some black ones in the Democratic Party. I get that, but most of them are white. So it's it's, it's so ignorant. It's beyond ignorant. And how the hell do these Democrats trust? You know, have, I mean, they have some nerve trying to say. Oh, nobody knows what it's like to be black. Well, how the hell do you know, Beto O'Rourke? You making such a stupid statement. I mean, if a 
I mean, these kind of statements that come out of these people's mouths, it's disgusting. And what, what is the end game to slavery reparation? It's never going to get passed, but let's just say it did. Fill politicians' pockets with more and more money. I mean, there's, there's so many of these bills and, and, and things they put forth that never, go, that, that never do anything for, for these situations that they say they're going to help. It's the whole victim mentality, the whole the, the BS. It, it's disgusting, um, and it needs to stop. I mean, you have blacks in the best situation economically that they've ever been with this president. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Well, there's there's a lot going on there. You know, I I'm, I'm thinking about what you were just saying and what Dan said earlier. Forget, you know, there was, about it was announced today. Don't forget, 5.8 million individuals dropped off food stamps under Trump so far. Uh, so I mean, it just keeps getting it just keeps getting more and more uh, better and better. But go ahead, sorry. Well, no, you're absolutely right. You know, Dan said something about you know keeping Biden in the race. Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, he, he, he just thinks that uh, Trump would destroy him. But, you know, and, but what you're saying about, you know, how the Democrats or how the left is talking about the white man, uh, you know, keeping putting a Joe Biden on the ticket, I think, would deflate a lot of the Democrats from even voting. So, uh, you know, I think Dan has something there. But you know, going going on what you're saying though, about reparations, I posted something today uh, from the Heritage Report. The, the Heritage uh, Foundation uh, completed a, a report in 2014. That report uh, was the first 50 years since the signing of the Civil Rights Act. America, by 2014, has spent $22 trillion dollars. Twenty-two trillion dollars on the social, on social programs. programs right? That's yeah, right. Jesus. So since then, since 2014, we're spending almost we're spending 900 and something like 89 billion, almost a trillion a year on these social programs. So it's safe to say that about 26, 27 trillion dollars has now been spent on civil rights, on spent on these social programs, and. If you look at, you know, the reparations, you know, are, are you talking the entire country of Haiti? You know, because, you know, most of them would be descendants of slavery. Are you talking, you know, how about all the, the, the white people that would align as white people these days that has an ancestor that was a slave? Are they granted reparations? And who's to pay the reparations? Because if you look at the turn of the 20th century, the migration, the great migration from Ireland, Poland, uh, Slovenia, all these places in Europe, if you look at the great migration that we had, none of those people were in the United States. So are their ancestors now going to pay reparation? I mean, this is just an ignorant concept designed to, to take away well, you see what's happening. Uh, you know, AJ said it. The African American vote, the black vote. You know, it, it, the the people we, we. You know, President Trump says, "What do you have to lose?" Lowest unemployment ever. Oh, lowest unemployment rate. 
the the medium incomes are going up substantially you know and and what we have to look at is uh under trump you know this is you know this has been great so now the left wants to take away those accomplishments and as aj said before put these you know put 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 block people in boxes and to me that's all they're trying to do is create victims again and uh you know and just to take away from the great work of president trump and that's all this is designed you know glover today you know uh, oh my gosh bringing him forward you know just just as the the icing on the top of bringing john dean to 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 congress as well it's just ridiculous it's a ridiculous concept you know to me we're americans and you know i like i like aj's a lot of aj's point of view because you know he says it you know he says it the way it truly is and 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 i wish everybody you know could listen to your show rory listen to you know aj and 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 hear what they're saying so you know that's my point of view on this well said dr branch as always uh, and dr branch please tell everybody where they can find you if i don't get if i don't get back to you cuz we are going low on time well, they could find me on my new website at drbobbranch.com. That's D-R-B-O-B-B-R-A-N-C-H.com. Good night, Rory. Perfect. Sounds good. Uh, George, go ahead. Well, you know, I think it's very interesting, the um, problems we face right now. If, uh, you know, you've got – I just – when you look at what you've seen in the news just in terms of the um, – the way politics is conducted where, you know, the Trump family uh, works for free, but somehow they're there to enrich themselves, whereas Joe Biden, you know, the, the, the Obamas all become rich while in government jobs, and their families become rich. And yet it just lets you know that this is not a serious exercise or a serious um, effort to find truth. Basically, you have one group of, of, of people that are interested in one thing, and that's power. And they will lie, cheat, cheat, and steal to get it. And they have their friends and operatives in the media who will help them hide their transgressions and will yep. then turn on you and criticize you for things that are not actually transgressions. Um, you know, it's just that's just how it will go. I mean, you know. I remember the most, one of the most outrageous things I ever saw was a presidential campaign when uh, Mitt Romney was supposedly guilty of killing a man's wife, if you recall, um, because he bought a company and uh, he had to downsize the company to keep it going. And uh, the man lost his insurance and his wife later had cancer. And so when she died, it was Mitt Romney's fault. This this kind of stuff, this kind of attenuated garbage, yeah. uh, you know, and um, – and it doesn't matter who it is, the day after they're out of office, you know, they are okay. Example, Bob Dole was a bum until after the election, and then he's on, you know, late night shows, and they're all going, wow, you're a great guy, you're a lot of fun, after the election. You know, after the election, they all loved Mitt Romney, but they hated him before the election. They used to love uh, Donald Trump, and then he, was, then he threw his hat in the ring for president, and they hated him. I guarantee you, when he's gone, they will, they'll be able to say some nice things about him. It's how they play the game. It's all about power. That's all that matters. There's no principle. 
whatsoever. So I think one of the things we have to recognize is just be careful not to get caught up in sometimes scratching your head and wondering what's the principle here. I'm telling you here now, there will never be a principle there. It will only be power for them. That's all it ever is. Very, very well said. Please tell everybody where they can connect with you, George. Sure. Um, Frontiers of Freedom is ff.org, and my Twitter account is glandreth, L-A-N-D-R-I-T-H, at George Landreth, perfect. or at G Landreth. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Dan, go ahead. Well, you know, I was just thinking about the uh, the whole reparations thing, and and uh, to me, it just seems to kind of uh, make black people victims, and I think that's ultimately what the Democrats like to do. And I I think it's a terrible, sla- I mean, I th- I think it's a disrespectful to the to, to black people in general, and I also think it's it's disrespectful to any to everyone asking, you know white people who haven't uh, had anything to do with slavery to pay reparations for to black people who had nothing to do with slavery. <laughs> the whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous. But I think the idea there, their idea is to make as many victims as possible and hopefully capture as many votes as possible by giving free money taking free money taking money from some people giving it to some to other people in exchange for votes you know in other words we got you reparations now you vote for us and it's the same thing they do with the free college uh, idea you know they try to capture the young people's vote by offering them free college which they they won't be able to do it's just a, a campaign promise and the idea is to get kids out there to vote. Oh, if I vote for Bernie, I'll get all my college debt will be wiped free. You know, um, it, it doesn't do anybody any good. It's it's lying to them, and it doesn't help uh, encourage people to uh, to earn their own way. And that's another yeah, thing with, with the welfare system. You know, the welfare system we have is is absolutely terrible because it keeps people. Um, you know, dependent on on government, but that's what they want. So they hate right yes. now. They hate the idea that unemployment is so low. They like yep. the Democrats love the idea when people when more people are on government assistance because they know that if if they threaten them that the the mean old Republicans will take away their their benefits, vote Democrat. They know that it's it's guaranteed votes for them. So. The whole the whole game that they play is very sinister, and the people who are the victims of it don't always realize it. That's the sad part. So that's the only point I wanted to make about that whole thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, Dan, please tell everybody where they can connect with you. Um, you can find me at goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com. Excellent, Dan. Always a pleasure. Uh, let's Thanks go so much, everybody. Edit. Absolutely. Eric, go ahead. Eric Thompson, go Eric ahead. Thompson. All right. Let's, let's go to Gianni. Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I really, you know, I really just don't get the whole argument of that. I mean, it's not 1865. If this is 1865 and they were talking about reparations, that's a different story. I would agree with that. But guess what? I'm not a slave, and white people that are around today are not the slave masters anymore. 
So we have, like the one of your guests said, we have nothing to do with slavery at all. And I think it would be a disrespect to the slaves, to, to my ancestors and the slaves that actually went through it to pay us reparations that we didn't own. We didn't deserve that. And, I mean, we got enough programs for African Americans. I mean, you got the affirmative action. You know, you got the civil rights bill. You got NAACP, you know, always sticking the nose or something. I mean, when is enough enough? And I mean, like, like we are guessing also, it makes us into a victim. That's the thing. That's what they want. They're not going to really – this is what happened. If they would ever get in office, they wouldn't actually pass anything for reparation. It would never make it to the House or the Senate. I promise you that. It would just be something yeah. that they campaign on to get black votes. That's what it's all about. It's all about – Voting and it's all about power. As far as you know, the illegal immigrants getting uh, driver's license in New York, I think this is fucking ridiculous. I mean, it. I, I mean, I, ha- I have nothing to say about that. I mean, it's it's been happening, um, and I think it's a big mistake. But I think in upstate New York, there's a big pushback from certain people and certain people on the city councils and things of that nature that are saying, no, we're not giving illegal immigrants uh, driver's license and things of that nature. But like you said, they're giving them driver's license to what? To vote. Because they know people are getting sick and tired, especially in New York City. They're getting sick and tired of AOC. They're getting sick and tired of uh, Big Bird, Bill de Blasio. They're getting sick of these people. And people are waking up and they're trying to say, listen, we're about to vote other ways because the Democrats are screwing this state over and everybody's moving to Florida from New York City and New York State. So I really think that we have to really uh, – campaign hard. When 2020 is coming, it's not enough for us to just be talking on the phone or posting on Facebook and Twitter. We have to go out there to the city councils, go out there to the meet, go to D.C., knock doors, canvas, do whatever we can to make sure that uh, we put uh, Republicans uh, uh, in Congress, put Republicans uh, in, in you know seats of power when it comes to being a mayor or a senator, uh, uh, governor or whatever, we have to do. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. Uh, please tell everybody where they can find you, Gianni. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Facebook at Gianni Rodriguez with the Z dash Paris with two R's. Gianni Rodriguez dash Paris. Perfect. Uh, Eric Thompson, are you there? Eric. Yes. Okay, Eric, go ahead. Um, please, uh, if you can go quick, make a quick point. We are about out of time, and then tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, pretty much um, reparations, free college, all of that. That just panders to the the uh, progressive kids coming out of college. You know that uh, America. They've been told in college that America's bad. They've been told yep. that. Uh, that the that the system is um is uh the economy is not good enough for them to find a good job, so the government if it cared would would just wipe off their college debts and so in in the end it's still about control. It's all about the left yep. trying to control everybody and then get them into Marxism. If you want to listen to my show, I'm on Mojo50.com Monday through Friday, eleven PM Pacific time. And I have a social media platform competing with Facebook, MAGA, M A G A book. Com. Thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. We'll see you next week, my friend. Um, I think so. Let's go. Uh, let's go to Michael. Let's go to Michael Balsey. Michael Balsey, go ahead. Um, wh- what are your thoughts? And then tell everybody where they can find you, connect with you. 
My thoughts are this. I, I, I like what Dan had to say. I think he hit the nail on the head. I think the uh, Democratic Party is leaning to the Alinskyites, uh, creating subgroups uh, and groups within subgroups or groups subgroups within groups, uh, all out of rules for radicals. I think right now they're panicked because they're losing the minority vote to Trump uh, faster than they can do anything about it. History has shown that if the truth comes out uh, and people realize what the, what the Democratic Party has become and what they've done in the past, I, I think they expand to lose more votes. I do see some encouragement coming out of the Supreme Court. I think you're going to get the citizenship question. And I think by the next election, you'll have a voter ID. I think that kind of takes care of those things. And as far as the reparations, I don't think they have a chance to pass uh, but I think the people see through that. You know, they've hid uh, they've hid some of the history of Martin Luther King from blacks, uh, yeah. and they've hid almost completely the history of Malcolm X. Uh, right. Fortunately, have somebody like Candace Owens that's out there now and telling the truth. Yeah. I think those things are encouraging, and uh, I think we're headed in the right direction. And you can find me on Twitter at Michael Balsey. Perfect, my friend. Well, great. It was great having you on, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Thank you. I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in tonight. It's been a fantastic show. I want to thank all my sponsors, my audience, guests, and co-hosts. We had a fantastic panel tonight, amazing dialogue, so many things established and addressed, uh, such smooth conversation. And just a great, great flow. Everything you could want in a show, that's for sure. Um, I, uh, you know, I will miss all of you guys. I uh, hope you, my audience, has a fantastic weekend. Uh, we have a bunch of big shows coming your way next week, so definitely tune in. Uh, I'm Rory Sauter. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Cheers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.